0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Vela News podcast. We've got a great show today, talking to Philippe Gilbert, the man, the myth, the legend, who's wrapping up his final year of what has been a very storied career this year. But first, we're going to talk about COVID. Are you sick of talking about COVID, hearing about COVID? Goddamn, we sure are, but you know what? It, it hasn't really fully gone away, and here, joining us with his own First-hand recent experience with this is Andrew Hood. Good morning, Andy. How are you? How are you doing, Ben? So you were just drove. Eight, you just drove uh, recently eight hours down to Calpe. You're in northern Spain. Drove down to the south of Spain, where many teams do their team camps. As a careful person in this day and age, you tested yourself multiple times for COVID before you headed down. It was negative. You got in the car, drove eight hours, and then and then I got positive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Omicron bit
1: me. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, just in the context of, uh, you know, every spring the teams have these training camps down uh, Calpe, Dania, Altea, around, they call it Costa Blanca. It's really a great place to ride a bike if you're ever in Spain. That's almost one of the better places to ride, especially kind of fall, spring, winter, really mild weather, great roads. You know, once you get off the beach, kind of a busy tourist area, you know, you go five or 10 Ks inland. And you're really on these great, winding, narrow roads, good road services, just lots of up and downs, twisting and turns. So all the teams go there, and they'll do their training camps in December and January. So every January, they typically have media day, and then the teams will coordinate between themselves. And so basically, as a journalist, you get on there for a week, and you can talk to really just the whole lineup of of the world team, uh, you know, the big hitters, the, the quick steps, the Peter Sagan's and everybody. So, uh, yeah, but part of the program this year was – you needed a negative PCR test as well as your COVID vaccine and your COVID passport. And just the way things turned out in Spain, it was a holiday on Thursday. I needed my COVID test to get into the uh, to get into the hotel. Couldn't get the test until Friday morning, so uh, I had to wait four, five, six hours. Got in the car, started driving, made it to Madrid. No message. Got to past the uh, Don Quixote, Castilla La Mancha plains <laughs> there in central Spain. No message. No message. Rolled in. Got past Benny Dorm, it's kind of like the hell of the uh, Spanish coast, rocked into the hotel parking lot, and boom, Positivo.
0: <laughs> wah, wah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And that has been the case, for, obviously, for literally millions of people around the world. But within our bike world, we've seen that. You know, as you were speaking of Peter Sagan, he was just coming off of a COVID positive himself, uh, was able to carry on training with his teammates. Jumbo Visma had a positive, had to break up the band, you know, just at the start of the camp, right? It brought everybody together from all around Europe uh, and, and f- other parts and like, nope, sorry, boys, going home, boys and girls. And now the new news out of France, it's not just a hoodie who needs uh, uh vaccination and a positive to participate. It's every single athlete who wants to participate in a professional bicycle race in France in in 2020 now must have not just uh and, you know no longer is a, a negative test adequate you've got to be vaccinated how how is do you think the peloton is, is responding to this news you know a lot of writers are vaccinated um but some have expressed reservations on getting vaccinated or like getting a booster right before a big training block so what, what's what's the reaction inside the peloton
1: yeah, it's going to be an interesting question because I think that rule actually applies to all professional sport. Uh, we saw it play out with Djokovic at the Australian Open in tennis, and France. I can imagine that there'll be almost every European nation will probably adapt the same rules pretty quickly. I would think.
0: Um, yeah, just just I'm sorry, just just to clarify, we you say that it's the nation of France imposing this? It's a law. It's not a bike racing rule. It's a French law, much like you know doping is not just uh, against the bike racing rules. It's against French law. So that's why it carries uh, weight across the board. Sorry to interrupt.
1: No, no, you're exactly right. Um, You know, Omicron is just uh, sweeping across Europe like it is in the United States, I can imagine. And, uh, you know, they don't want to, you know, you can't go into any public space in France now without showing your COVID passport, you know, to go into the restaurants, to go into – a cafe or wherever, whatever you want, the museum, uh, and you're starting to see that in other parts of uh, Spain and across. Some of my colleagues in Europe have been saying the same things. You know, oh yeah, you gotta on your iPhone, you know, show your uh, COVID passport to get into these things and in flights as well. So yeah, it's going to create some wrinkles because um, you know there are a few holdouts in the peloton of riders who you know what, for whatever personal reasons they don't want to get vaccinated, um, as well as riders. Uh, we saw Greg Van Avermaet. Who felt that uh, you know he felt that his uh, vaccine last year impacted his performance, and he was saying uh, a week before or so of this podcast was recorded that he wanted to postpone his booster until after the spring classics because you know that's important for him. He's winding down his career. He wants to go full blast across the cobbles. He might be forced to get those shots before he would have liked. And so you know we'll see if there's suddenly some riders who are not racing a lot this year we might know why yeah because uh, if they can't uh, if they can't cross borders and they can't uh, get into uh, certain countries to race it could it could create some real complications within some bike teams
0: and at the same time we are seeing the push to reopen uh, across the world in a, in a and in across racing we've seen you know, the Tour Down Under was canceled a while back Cadell uh, Evans as well same time frame. Uh, but many other races are full steam ahead, or at least uh, some steam ahead. Um, VIP areas may be changed, access may be changed, but it seems like races are still going forward. Is that is that accurate?
1: Indeed, uh, I think most of the major races. I've just been talking to some organizers here in Spain. All the races, you know, Spain now is a pretty busy February calendar. Races in Valencia, Murcia, uh, down in Andalucia. All those races are going forward, regardless, uh, regardless of what's happening right now with the health situation. I think we'll see, you know, in the media, we'll see kind of the social distancing rules. We'll probably have to get a whole new battery of PCR tests, face masking, you know, microphones on the end of a, of a pogo stick. Uh, <laughs> fan, you know, fans will be uh, kept at bay, unfortunately. I mean, everyone kind of thought, you know, last fall, you know, everyone thought we were kind of turn the page on this. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was hoping that this season was going to be relatively back to normal because I remember last year. Uh, you know, I saw you there at the World Championships. Remember that? I and mean, it was just absolutely spectacular. With uh, you know, with with you know, the world was demasked. You know, suddenly, but you know, Europe is all masked up again. So, the expectation is going in until the next foreseeable future. It's going to be business as COVID usual, unfortunately.
0: But the but the races are still going in happy. To see that, so en- enough COVID talk for, for one podcast. Let's let's leave that behind and let's let's talk Phil Gill. Let's talk Philippe Gilbert. Heck of a career, and he could go out uh, with a bang this year. You know, so he, he started what back in the early two thousands. Francais de Jour, then uh, Silence Lotto, BMC, Quick Step uh, has been with Lotto Soudal last few seasons. And it's, it's impressive when you look back at his long, long list of wins. You know, it's stages of each of the Grand Tours. It's Perry Tours, it's Giro Lombardia, uh, winning all the Ardennes classics in a single season. Flesh Wallonne, Liège, Baston, Liège, and Amstel Gold. If there's a big... Ra- he's won Tour de Flanders. He's won Bay. If there's a big race, he's won it at least once, seemingly. It's, uh, it's quite an impressive career he's had so why and Andrew you spoke with him and we're you know, going to air that interview as as our showpiece on this podcast uh, but, but before we get into it I'd just like to hear your take on on your perspective your long view perspective on what Gilbert has meant for for pro racing over the years
1: yeah he, he's really been one of the marquee riders um, one of the big kind of superstars in the last uh, two decades uh, it's been interesting because, you know, within Belgium, you know, he kind of lives in the uh, eastern part of Belgium and the Ardennes region, uh, the French speaking uh, Wyon area. So it's been interesting to see him emerge as a big star because typically the Belgian cycling is more associated and linked with the Flemish cycling and the, the cobblestone classics. And not to say that we haven't seen great uh, uh, riders from that part of Belgium before, but he really has been a big star that's come out of that area. And he really emerges as, as like an international superstar, you know, won the Worlds and won the Yellow Jersey. He's, he's won, like you said, every major race except one. He's never won Milan-San Remo. Mm. And of course, he is, um, you know, has won four of the five monuments. And there's only been three riders in cycling history that have won all three of those monuments. Kind of reveals just how hard that is to have that skill set to win across those five different kind of uh, of one-day races, you know, the, any one-day race is kind of a uh, lottery anyway. But to win all five across an arc of a career is pretty impressive, and no one's done it, you know, since back in the day of, uh, of Merckx and De And uh, you know, so he would be if he, you know, he has one last shot at San Remo. And and I asked him about that, and he, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, he's not really optimistic about his chances. On <laughs> because, uh,
0: he's a realist. You know, he's got, yeah, sure. He's a
1: realist. Yeah, I mean, he's got Kelly Ewan on on his team. Who's been twice second, both times when one of these uh, kind of late race breakaways got away at San Ramon and stayed away from the bunch. Uh, I was Nibali in 2018, and then last year with Uh, uh That's when you know Ewan was uh, second in both of those occasions. And talking to him again this weekend as well, he was saying, you know, I hope to have a teammate there to help me make sure that those riders get shut down this year so it does finish in kind of a traditional San Remo reduced bunch sprint so uh you know we asked uh, I had a chance to ask uh, uh Gilbert, you know what's he gonna do and he was like going well uh you know he goes I- it's unrealistic for me to probably expect to win that race but it'd be sure nice if I did <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we shall see yeah. we shall see
0: now so Milan Sanremo, most of our Listeners, I believe, are familiar with it. But for those who aren't, it is, as Andy mentioned, one of the five monuments. It's it's the longest major one day race on the calendar, uh, from Milan down to the coast to San Remo, two hundred
1: fifty k. Oh no, more two three hundred almost three
0: hundred k. Yeah, I count. I, I'm a typical American. Can't even count in kilometers. We'll often finish in a reduced bunch sprint because of the you know there's some, not long climbs, but stiff taken at great speed climbs there right in the, the closing kilometers.
1: Yeah, the Poggio and the Chipresa.
0: So you've got to be a sprinter who can go the distance and get over those two speed bumps. We've seen non-sprinters win there. Fabian are famously just riding off the front of a small group while people look at each other. Uh so there there can be some dynamics where a non-sprinter can win. Uh, but usually it's the best sprinter out of that small group, right? And and Caleb, as you said, has, has shown he can get over those hills just fine, and has a type of finishing kick to to win Grand Tour stages and Monument stages. So, it, I I, um, I agree with his assessment and yours. Highly unlikely, yet would be pretty cool to see
1: this this year. As Joubert said, basically he's putting all of his marbles into the Ardennes. He confirmed that he's not racing Flanders and Roubaix. Which are races that he kind of really put the focus on the last, you know, five years of his career and really paid off at spades because he, you know, he really was kind of a rider who was winning the Ardennes. He was a climber, an explosive climber, you know, not really associated with, you know, he's kind of a smallly built guy. He's not skinny, he's kind of got some muscle on him, but he's compact. Uh, but he's not like a big cobblestone brawler, you know, the likes of a Tom Bonin. So a few years ago, and he, he kind of had in the back of his mind, it's like, you know, I'm a, I want to race and win Flanders. You know, I'm a, a Belgian. And he said, you know, one day I want to race Roubaix and try to win it. And so he kind of changed his focus. He, you know, he made that move to quick step uh, and really became part of that wolf pack and that mentality of how that team races. And it really worked out in perfect benefit to Gilbert and his style of racing, because despite the fact that he is a big star, he, he is very quite unselfish when he races. So many times during his time on Quick Step, he was helping some of the other guys win some of these smaller races. Uh, you would see him help lead out a guy, or he would cover moves, and he'd really, uh, really set up his teammates to win. You know, some of these kind of second-tier races inside that block of uh, you know the big one-day monuments. And then he got his chance. You know, he won that race. You know, Flanders, and then won a Robay absolutely both in spectacular uh, way to attack solo, winning those races. And, uh, you know, it was really just impressive way of racing. But for his last season, he said he wants to go back to his, uh, to his roots, go back, put the real focus on the spring in the Ardennes, Amstel, go Liege, flesh, Bourbon, Peel. Yeah.
0: It's an apropos way to go out. He, you know, one Flanders, 2017, Peru Bay, 2019, Seems like, you know, twenty eleven was his high watermark, uh, where he was that, I mean, that was the year he took all three of the Ardennes classic. So seems like with, with that renewed focus, uh, at least one is is certainly a r- realistic ambition.
1: Yeah, I got a funny story about Gilbert. Uh, uh I remember uh, years ago, this was man way back in the day, I think about 2008 or 9 Worlds. That's how long I've been around, too. That, <laughs> um, uh, you know, this is back in Velo News, you know, I was covering the World Championships. And, uh, you know, this is back in the day when the Velo News budget wasn't really that good. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I was like staying, uh, you know, what, at least 100K away from where the Worlds were because all the hotels were booked up as very expensive. So I was like way down on the outside, the outskirts of Milano, uh, near, near the hotel Malpensa. Got booked into a cheap hotel there, and it turned out it was the same hotel where the Philippe Gilbert fan club was staying. But <laughs> so it, it turned out to be, turned out to be Philippe Gilbert, uh, his family, uh, you know, his mom and his dad, and all his uh, cousins and brothers were all there. And then about 150 of his best friends from his uh, village there, and he lives like right at the base of the Reduit climb and the Liege course. Mm-hmm. So they had, I mean, these people partied so hard. I mean, they were having beers, you know, Stella, Trois, on draft, you know, 10 in the morning for breakfast. (laughs) They were into the beers, and I was there. You know, I had breakfast with them every morning and ended up chatting with all these people. Very friendly, great group of people. And they just partied the whole week. And then Joubert, you know, won the World Championships a few years later. So, you know, he's really, despite being a big star, he's really quite down to earth. And uh, he's really quite well-liked within the bunch, too. I think most people that know Joubert really like him.
0: Certainly, and, and well appreciated in, in the press room for those same reasons. So we w- certainly wish him all the best this year and look forward to to watching him race. So, Andy, glad you're recovered from COVID. May it never strike you again. And uh, now let's go to that interview you did with Philippe Gilbert.
1: Good stuff. Thanks, man. How you doing, man? Good, and you? Pretty good, thanks. Uh, Just, you know, quick question about how you came out of last season, how you reflected on last year, and and what are the big hopes for 2022?
2: I think for me, it's quite clear. Uh, It's been two difficult years, Uh, really struggling um, to get into the rhythm. Uh, A lot of problems still still on my knee last year, and... uh, Yeah, I was becoming better the from the last part of the season with some good results, but uh, no wins. So I like to win, so I I still miss this feeling, you know. So I hope to to reach it again this year and uh, and win again.
1: So so the main issue has been the knee problem, or has it been COVID too, or or what has it been?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a mixed also. I think that uh, yeah, it was also. A lot of problems inside the team last year. Uh, I think that we were like uh, in a good environment uh, to perform uh, last year um, with a lot of internal problems. So yeah, uh, this year we are like uh, on a much better way, and uh, I feel better also. So I'm motivated.
1: What kind of problems? When you mentioned that,
2: uh, there were, there was a lot of problems. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can save that for another day uh, I mean so obviously it's the last season Philippe no no second thoughts no doubts no. none no? I'm
2: not when I say something I do it you know so um, I announce my last season and uh, it will be like that and uh, even if uh, I get an offer from uh, someone else I will refuse it because uh, it, it's enough for me yeah
1: that process, was it an easy decision for you to make or was it already kind of in your mind?
2: No, it was easy because uh, it, it's been 20 years now as a pro, a pro cyclist and it's, uh, it's a long way. Um, you know, uh, I sacrificed uh, a lot of things in my life, my, my own family, uh, my kids, uh, I mean, just no more leaving. So I, I just want to experience all this now. Um, so I'm looking forward to see this uh, new life.
1: Is it? Uh, how's your How's your emotion now at the last team camp? Is that going through your mind? Or are you trying to stay focused on the process?
2: No, I'm. I didn't make the mistake, you know, of of. of Thinking that uh, because it's the last winter, I can give mo- even more. I um, respect all the steps, you know. Uh, so I, I really rest like I had to the rest, and I I restart training with respecting
0: all the steps of the process to you know for the to getting in shape. And uh, I think that uh, the base are really strong of this last winter,
2: and uh, I think this will give me like a big opportunities opportunities to to be successful
1: um, I know I saw some quotes from you over the last year or two you, you felt that uh, you mentioned you thought COVID really impacted the race in terms of like the fans and just the ambiance of the race are you hoping your last season will be kind of maybe normal where you can race in front of the fans again
2: yeah I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of countries just open it a little bit more now and uh, we see that uh This COVID, uh, you know, uh, are less and less aggressive. So uh, I think that other countries just accept to live with it and and let the people just live more normal. So I think that uh, we're going to see more people on the racing, you know, and uh, less restriction. Um, So I think that we we are going on the good way to, to, to live again And share the emotions with the with the public, which is like I think the main reason
0: of the the professional sport, you know, um, is to share this with the with the public, with uh, your friends, with family.
2: The sport on the highest level without public, it have no sense for me, you know. So then you just you just do the sport yourself in the weekend alone in in the forest or somewhere. But if you want to really do your best, it have to be in cohesion with with the public
1: what what is your race calendar looking like uh it's beginning the spring classics and after that what would yeah. you have on the calendar
2: yeah i'm starting in uh, mallorca so it's been a long time i was there i think 11 years and i'm looking for one because i did the camp last year with uh, with the team there and uh, it was also a long time i was on the islands and uh, yeah, it reminds me that uh, these roads are nice to race, you know. So I'm happy to go there, and then I will have a uh, Provence, and uh, and then the Newsplatz, so the, open, the first race in Belgium, and then um, I will be Paris Nice, San Remo, and uh, and then I will focus on the Ardennes with Catalonia uh, as a preparation. So I'm looking forward to do the last week, you know, in the Ardennes.
1: So no Roubaix or uh, Flanders?
2: No. No, I had to make, cho- make choice and I want to really prepare myself for the Ardennes. And I think even if I showed it in the past, it was still possible to win the same year Flanders and Liège because I almost did it uh, a few times and I was podium in Flanders and podium in Liège the same year. But I think that uh, it's two things has changed. My 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 age, so uh, this is something. And also, I think that the, the cycling is more specific. So I think that now, if you want to be successful in Ardennes, you really have to prepare for them. And uh, in the past, I was still able to mix a little bit, you know, the two kind of racing, and uh, I was able to be successful. But now I think it's really hard to, to do so.
1: And M Still Gold is in the middle now. Will you skip that race as well, or...?
2: No, no, for sure, it's, uh, it's a big motivation for me, because, uh, yeah, if I win a fifth uh, I'm still, uh it would be also a nice number, so, yeah, I'm motivated for that, yeah.
1: Okay, and of course, uh, San Remo with the Grand Tour, or the Monument Sweep, is that, uh, yeah. is that uh, realistic, or how do you view that?
2: <laughs> I, I think it's like, it's really hard to say, and uh, I know that... If this happened it will give another di- dimension to my career, you know, and uh, it will be unique. Um, I will be the only rider from this century to do to win the five uh, monuments, and uh, but I mean, winning four is already exceptional, but uh, winning five would be exceptional. So yeah, I know that uh, this race. Could change a lot of my career and uh, give me another dimension, but uh, I know I know that it's difficult to win.
1: Do you see a rider capable in the future of winning all five monuments because they are so specialized now as opposed to you know back in the day when a rider could win in almost every race?
2: It de- it actually, it depends a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I did to uh, Tour of Lombardy many times and I saw many completely different uh, finals. Um, so... It depends a little bit. If you're lucky and the the, the course suits you, then uh, then it's possible. I mean, uh, for example, now I don't know for how long the contract is uh, for, with uh, Ordenacht for Flanders, uh, but maybe in a few years they they change city and they go somewhere else, mm. uh, and then you, you have another final. You know, maybe suiting another rider better. So, yeah, San Remo, I think it's it's only monument who don't change but uh, liege is also changing a lot uh it's never really the same um yeah the, the 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 worst in that is lombardy you know so it's changing almost every year yeah so um, yeah it depends it depends on the course
1: and will you do the giro tour or a grand tour this year
2: yeah, I would like to do the tour because when I saw the the presentation on internet, internet, uh, I was thinking, oh, this is a nice course. It suits me good. We'll get a lot of chance uh, to win stages. So, yeah, I was motivated when I saw the presentation, yeah.
1: And the selection for the team would be quite competitive. I mean, Caleb goes as the protected sprinter. There's room there for you.
2: Yeah, yeah I think so. I think uh, I showed... Uh, Already in the past, you know, with uh, I did the tour with Kittel when he won four stages. Um, I share also leadership with uh, Greipel in the past, which which was also one of the best sprinters back in the time. Um, yeah, I think with Gaviria also we went there, also with a really strong team. You know, we had Ala uh, Alaphilippe uh, for stages and, and Pocados, Pocados jersey, Gaviria for sprints, like uh, me and Jungers for different things. And I think it's it's really a place for everyone uh, during the tour. So I don't think that you really have to make or to give three, four riders to only one rider. It would be a mistake in my eyes. So you have to leave it open for everyone.
1: And after uh, will you will we see you at the Worlds this year, Philippe?
2: Uh, honestly, I don't know. Now it's really hard to say. You know, with uh, with the selections, uh, you could can see that. Uh, it's uh, sometimes difficult, so I don't know.
1: What will be your last race? Do you, do you have one in mind that you want to finish with?
2: Not yet, because uh, I focus already make a nice schedule, you know, for the first part of the season, and uh, I really want to give everything there, and then, uh, you know, have a seat again with the team and analyze the, the schedule from the team and see where I can uh, fit better because to be, to be the most successful, so, yeah, I will see, but... want to do I don't want to stop early in the season you know I want to do a full season and and race until the end and so it will be somewhere in the end of the season but I don't know where Uh, but uh, of course I would like to be
0: to stop on a good good place where I know that I can get a good result also sure
1: so the, so the, the dream is to win at least once more this year Ideally, yeah. Liège. <laughs> yeah,
2: if you can, if you have to wish me something, is this? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what, what do you have? What do you have in mind for the future, Philippe? We we see you as a sport director, or what do you have in mind for the future?
2: No, I mean I had a, a lot of proposals, uh, also from different teams, and uh, I'm analyzing now. And I don't want to rush. I want to take my time because uh, I'm investing all my energy now in in this season. And it's really hard to make choices, you know, so I don't want to start working on the projects uh, now because, you know, it takes me like almost uh, full time to be a cyclist now. And I uh, also have my family and I don't want to skip my family times to work uh, on, extra on, on top on, uh, on the different projects, you know, so... I do a mistake to do like that, you know, because uh, I need to also, I need those moments to rest and uh, to recover and to be mentally ready. So, yeah, it's no room for the moment to work for another, another project.
1: When you started your career, Philippe, did you imagine you would have the career that you have enjoyed 20 years almost with so many no. wins, huh?
2: Yeah, I know, I know, I know, and so many different ones. And uh, it's been a, a long career, a successful career, but uh, yeah, it's not finished. I still, I'm still motivated to add something, you know. And uh, I think that everyone is dreaming about a, a final race, but where, where you can be winning uh, and finish on the win. It's a dream of everyone, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to make it happen, you know. But. Yeah, I will do my best to do a good last year.
1: Right on, man. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great season. Cheers, man. Thanks. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye.
0: All right, folks. That will do it for us this week. We are headed to Fayetteville, Arkansas this weekend for Cyclocross World Championships. So tune in next week for some results and discussion from there. In the meantime, have yourself a great rest of the week and the weekend. And I thank you for listening to the Bella News Podcast.